sometimes people think, you know, I'm going to give you some really smart new strategy that you've never heard before. But unfortunately, there's no magic trick. It's just the more people who know what you do, the more people are likely to actually buy from you. Hello, and welcome to the Making Mommy Move show. This is your host, Alyssa Morton, and I am a mom of two, wife, event floral designer, serial entrepreneur, and becoming increasingly aware of the power of mindset. I am so happy and thankful that you're here. I am on a mission to help empower moms to create a lifestyle of wealth, health, fulfillment, and happiness so that you can become the very best version of yourself and create a life that you love. Every week, I am bringing you along the journey with me as I overcome the barriers of limiting mindsets and create financial freedom for my family by sharing stories, strategies, and tips that I am learning daily through my life as a mompreneur. I hope that you will join the journey with me to create a life that you love too. Let's get into it. All right, everybody, I'm so excited to welcome you to the Making Mommy Move show. We've got a really special guest with us today. Her name is Teresa Heath Waring, and I'm so excited to welcome her. Welcome, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here. I know it's going to be such a good conversation. Teresa is a wealth of knowledge, and I'm excited to talk about her business and how she grew it so that you guys can feel inspired to start your own business also and overcome the barriers of it because we know that it's not easy. So, Teresa, can you tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you came to be what you are right now? I can. Of course I can. So... I always joke that I never, ever thought of myself as an entrepreneur. I never wanted my own business. It was never even a thing. I was, uh, I did a degree in marketing. I had all the marketing jobs. I worked for big, big companies, international companies. I worked for teeny tiny ones and I'd done kind of every bit of marketing you could imagine. And never for one second thought, oh, I'm going to have my own business. Like I was really risk averse. And then I got to a point where my daughter was about four years old. And my uh, husband at the time and I separated. So I found myself as a single parent with my daughter and I'd got a fairly good marketing job. I was head of marketing for a marketing agency close to where I lived. And you know, when like one big thing happens in your life and it kind of makes you look at all the other bits. And I'd been through this kind of divorce and this separation and it'd been hard, but amicable, but hard. Cause like I'd been with this guy for 12 years. We've got a daughter together, like And you forget who you are, like when you've been in a relationship and that relationship ends, suddenly it's almost like you have to reinvent who you are and how you do it and what you do and all this sort of thing. So a few months after my husband and I separated and got divorced, I was not loving the role I was in as much as I had been. And I was ready to make a change. I'd worked for that company for a good few years and I thought, I know I have my notice in and I'm just going to get another job. Like I'm really good at marketing. I've done it for a very long time. I've worked with lots of different businesses. I'll just get another job working for another agency. Forgetting that I lived in a fairly small town in England and we were not awash with big, massive companies with big, massive budgets. So I was about three weeks into my notice. I'd already handed in my notice, given them eight weeks notice. And I started to think, what if I don't get another job? Like I'd had all these conversations. They were like, yeah, you're great, but I don't want to pay your salary. Like you are not a cheap resource. So I decided to think about the idea of what if I could do this myself? I just bought in like a hundred thousand pounds for the company the year before. What if I could bring that money in for myself? And it was like 
I thought this thought and my boss at the time, like, had this crazy instinct and asked me to leave. So I literally had one week worth of salary left. I had no savings. I had no partner. I had a mortgage. I had a car to run. I had bills to pay. I had parents, but they were not rich and could not help me. So financially, I literally had a month and a half's worth of salary. And then I was out. And then I had nothing. And I had to earn money. And people kind of ask me, how did I do it? Like, how did I start the business? How did I get it going? And all I can remember is I worked my bum off. <laughs> like, like I'm not a big fan of the word hustle, but I did. Like, I went yeah. to all the networking meetings. I had conversations with people. And I started to put myself up as a marketing consultant, as a I'm a resource that maybe a smaller business couldn't afford to bring in a full-time marketing manager. I can be their marketing manager. And then as the story goes and time changes, that moved to being an agency. And then about five, six years ago, I discovered the online world. And now I have a completely online business where I help other small business owners from all around the world create a life that they love and a business that they dream of. And I do this through knowing exactly who they are, them getting really clear on what it is they want, how they want to do it. And then we help them create that for them. Amazing. Oh my goodness. You are a powerhouse woman. You did this all on your own. Like you did it. Honestly, I don't know how, like I look back now and think, how did I do that? And like, I joked that I must've been like crazy or I don't know what, because I literally, and, and the other thing I did at the same time was because my whole life had been turned upside down on its head. And then I started this new business and I was working really hard, but my daughter had just started school. And I was like, great, I can take her to school. I can bring her home from school. Oh my gosh, that was a nightmare. Like school hours. Like, that doesn't work. Like, no, there's no hours. Like by the time you drop them off and you've got sat down to work, like you're literally talking a few hours and you're back again. And I was the parent who was running in, throwing her through the door and then the last parent rocking up to pick her up. And I felt awful. And I made this decision that I was really struggling with. She was not happy at school because her life was all over the place in terms of we had got the parenting pretty good, like the shared parenting. But when she started at the school, she suddenly was going to a breakfast club. Then from breakfast club, she was going to school. Then from school, she might do after school club. Then sometimes mum would pick her up. Dad would pick her up. Dad would drop her off. Mum would, and it was getting really, really tricky. And she was really struggling. And I remember going home that day and looking at my phone or whatever, thinking, I've got to find a solution for her. I can't work when I know my daughter's not happy and while she's struggling. And I scroll through my phone and as the universe would have it, they presented an advert to me on a private school that was like not far, very far from where I lived, a private girls school. Now, bearing in mind, I'd just given up my job and I had no money. That was probably not the best time to look at a private school. Not that I would have thought ever because it was never in the realm that I could ever afford it. And I phoned to ask for a look around and the woman who answered the phone, I knew. And I was like, oh, I didn't know you weren't there. And I'd met her through networking years ago. Anyway, I went to the school and made it happen, made it happen that uh, in the early days, I traded a bit of my time for a bit of a discount. It was still more money than I had ever flipping imagined in my life to spend on something. And I put my daughter in private school and like within weeks of starting my own business, I must have been insane. But, you know, she's just about to turn 13 and she's been there since she was four. And 
the business is still going. I'm very glad to say. So it's been crazy, a crazy journey. Wow. What an amazing story. I know that you've got this marketing expertise. So what can you share with our audience that that's like one of the biggest keys is like you need leads mm-hmm. to come into your business before you can even sell them. So is there anything that they can do today to start bringing those people in? Yeah. And this is where I think. What's the first thing you do when you want to find a service near you? You search the company's website, right? Mama Media is a talented website and brand design company that truly creates customizable websites for professionals. They have a ton of valuable resources and connections that help you create compelling copy for your website, take beautiful branded photos that complement the website design, and support after your design intensive is complete so that anything can be adjusted to best suit your business needs as it continues to evolve and change. List Mommy Moves as your referral when you submit an inquiry at mamamedia.org and receive 10% off your website intensive. Sometimes people think, you know, I'm going to give you some really smart new strategy that you've never heard before. But unfortunately, there's no magic trick. It's just the more people who know what you do, the more people are likely to actually buy from you. So it's a number, I say it's a numbers game. It sounds so impersonal, but it's an awareness game. People have to know you exist. So for me, One of the things that I was doing straight off the bat was I was going to networking and I hated it. I hated standing in a room with a lot of white men in suits, eating a terrible bacon sandwich. Like it was just awful. But I made sure they knew who I was. I made sure they knew what I did. Like I had conversations. I met people for coffees, which... I realized there was a, there's a fine balance to that in terms of people picking your brains. Um, but I put myself out there all the time. The other thing I did, which may not appeal to everybody, but it worked as a really good strategy was I put myself forward to speak. So often at these networking events, you would have like the, a 10 minute focus on one business. And I would ask, like, can I do this? Can I come and do that? Are you looking for any speakers to do training on this? And it'd be really practical stuff. And in the early days, I was really focused on social media, even though my background was fully marketing. Social media was something that people were not au fait on. They weren't as kind of clued up as they could have been. So I really focused and I made these very practical presentations, very simple, very kind of ground up type stuff in terms of this is how you make it work for you. This is how, you know, this is what you do. And I did a lot of that in the early days. I remember speaking at, we have something in the UK called Biz Mums. And basically you go to a play barn, like a, with the soft play type thing. And the mums meet up and then someone does a little presentation. Well, I did loads of them. And my husband at one point, my, my now husband was like, I think you need to move on from them. I think you're, you know, your audience is bigger than that. But, but I did it. I did everything. I never turned anything down. Like if someone said, could you come and speak to me and two friends? I was like, yep, I can do it. Because like I said, those people may not be your perfect customer. They may not be the people who want to work with you, but they'll know about your business and knowing about your business means if they know someone. And I think we often think it's a long game or it's a kind of, you know, well, they're not my customer, so I'm not going to waste my time with them. You just don't know who knows who. And also, and Mm -hmm. I didn't have the confidence in the early days to do this, but also your friends and your family and you're asking them favors, asking them to share your stuff on social, asking them to recommend you or kind of put you in contact with people, you know, I think in the early days, 
we always want the numbers, right? Especially on an online business. It's all about the numbers. How many six figures have you made and how many kind of people have you got on your email list? It's all vanity. It's all rubbish. But, but like, in the early days, what's brilliant is you can have those personal conversations. You can get to know those people really well. You can personally reach out and ask people stuff. Like, you know, so I think in the early days, it's a lot of legwork. It's a lot of like of the basic stuff, but that's the stuff that works. So powerful. And I think that everybody just forgets about that aspect mm. because they're so focused on the Instagram followers and growing the email list and all of, yes. like you said, the vanity that's just rubbish because at the end of the day, if you don't have that connection, they're not going to think about you. They're not going to know you. They're not going to know this is what you do and this is how you help and this is who you help. Any and tips for the speaking aspect? Because that's a really interesting way to go about it. Yeah. So you'll be surprised how many people want speakers. Like, especially so if you have like a chamber of commerce or something, if they're having a meeting and especially in the online world we're in now, you know, if they're doing an online thing every other week or every month, they need someone to fill those slots. So for me, doing the small things was a great getting started. Like that was kind of my playing field to work out who I was and what I liked and how I presented and, and what worked and what didn't work. So that when I do you know, I've just been out to Athens for four days last week to run a workshop for the day. Like they fly me out and they pay me to work. It's flipping amazing. But I couldn't have done that from the beginning because I didn't know, like I wasn't comfortable. And I think again, everyone in business is so keen to rush to the next stage. It's like having children, right? It's like mm -hmm. you pray for the next stage to come. You're like, oh, when they can sit up, it'll be so much easier. Oh, when they can crawl, it'll be so much easier. It never gets easier. It just gets different. Never. And the same with business. <laughs> like people think, oh, if I could just do this, then suddenly my business will be different or I'll be different. Or yeah, that won't be the problem anymore. Something else will be the problem. So again, with the speaking, people wanted to be like, how can I get on a big stage? Well, have you done lots of small stages? Because if you haven't, then you don't want to put yourself on a big stage and no. <laughs> they won't want you on a big stage because they're running a risk with you. So like I said, I literally went to a play barn with three mums and did that multiple times. And even now to this day, if anybody asks me to speak, regardless of the size of their audience, regardless of like whether they pay or not, I look at it. If I'm free and if they are my right people, then I'll happily speak for them because I just love it. And I love that connection. and I love getting in front of people. But for me speaking, one thing that is really interesting. Okay. So when you are speaking small and speaking, so when I was doing kind of chamber of commerce networking things, and I was doing like the 20 minute pitch, I'd get customers because you're stood up in front of them, showing you, showing them, you know what you're talking about. So I would get clients for my business. So either consultancy clients or clients who wanted us to do it for them. What happened when I got on the big stages, you don't get clients because they almost look at you like you're too out of reach by that point. So then that was another point in which my business changed over from being done for you to now being an online business. Because those people don't, when you're stood on a big stage speaking along big names, they almost automatically assume, rightly or wrongly, that you're out of their budget. And therefore, that speaking on those big stages, actually, from a client point of view or getting money, was not as effective as the smaller stages. So start small, 
like literally offer to go and speak to a few friends on a subject or, you know, why not, if you know sort of five different businesses, why not say, can we all practice with each other or, but it's just about showing your expertise. And when you're a speaker, you're obviously an expert on what you're talking about because people wouldn't have you otherwise. So getting that out there, giving them really practical stuff. I didn't try. In fact, I never talked about my story or my journey until literally two, three years ago. Because what I was doing up until that point was how to use Instagram to get more people, get more business, how to build an email list. How, it was really practical because unless you're, you know, Mel Robbins, your story's not going to cut it compared to doing the other stuff. So yeah, for me, that was the kind of practical element. Keep it small and just be open. Ask anyone and anyone. And it doesn't matter if they say no, it can have nothing to do with you. Treat it like a numbers game task yourself with asking five different people a week or five different people a month and pat yourself on the back if you ask them, regardless of what the outcome is. Wow, everybody, this is amazing. Thank you for sharing this because I know like I want to have a future speaking career and starting the podcast, starting like yeah. my YouTube channel, like all of this has been great practice for like building up my confidence in front of a camera and an audience. Mm -hmm. And the next step is getting in front of small stages. So this is really yeah. helpful. It's interesting that you said that your clients and like your business was, you had better clients when you were yeah. speaking on the small stages versus the yeah. big ones, because everybody has the vision to get on like a TEDx stage, but you're not <laughs> like, it's interesting that that hasn't been as lucrative or anything no. for you. No, no. And eventually you get to the point, And now I'm at the point where obviously I get paid to come and do it. Mm -hmm. So, and I look at each one differently. So it's either like, A, am I being paid? that's obviously a real bonus. And therefore, if it's like, so I've done speaking in industries that are nothing to do with me. And I've spoke about something really practical and that's fine because I'm being paid to do that. Or if I'm not being paid, are they my audience? And can I choose what I'm speaking on? So if they're my audience, my aim for that is to get them to follow me or join my email list or mm -hmm. engage with me somehow. And it just means I'm putting myself out to a new audience that maybe I wasn't aware of before or they weren't aware of me. So it's thinking about all those different things. But like I said, now it's about really the the awareness for me and also the other side of it, which is for me to put on social media that I'm out in Athens doing a workshop. Yeah, that's so much social credit right there. So much. Like, and obviously the other great thing is when you do do some kind of bigger speaking, you are getting all that social proof. Like people are always so lovely and they tag you and they say nice things. And, but like I said, all of that never led to clients for me. And it led to people coming into my online world, but it never led to someone going, Oh, could you manage my social media for me? Whereas the smaller speaking did lead to clients. So it's kind of what's your objective. If your objective is to build an audience and it's a long-term objective, because some of these people have been on my list and been in my world for years and never bought a thing from me. So like my objective there is, wow. is like I said, to have them in my world, have them as podcast listeners, have them come and look at my stuff, but they might never buy from me. Whereas when it's that smaller and then more personal connection. And the other thing I try and do, which I love is I try and find out who's in the room, which again, you can do when it's small. So when it's a small event, you can find out who's in the room and you can tailor your ideas and your content and your things to those people better. When I'm stood on a big stage, I can't tailor it at all. I literally just have to go, this is the thing. This is how I do it. Or this is what I say type thing. So 
There's some real advantages to starting small and staying small. Huge advantages. Fascinating, especially when you have like the lifetime client value is high. Speaking of mm-hmm. a smaller stage might be the better option for you where you're going to have the repeated business, especially with your marketing agency. You'll be able to just repeat, keep them forever and the return on investment is going to be huge, even if you didn't get paid to speak on that stage. Absolutely. Wow. And you never do. And I never did in those videos. And I still don't get paid to speak on some huge stages nowadays. Like, you know, I'm doing an event next year and it'll be the fourth time I've done the event and I've never been paid. However, their audience is my audience. And, and therefore that's why I will do it without being paid. Cause it's like, and they pay my travel and that sort of thing, which, you know, is yeah. kind of, that's fine. But because it's a perfect audience, it's okay. I'm, I'm all right with that. So again, it's just looking at why you're doing it and why you want it. And there's obviously always the ego side that's like, wow, I get to like, you know, someone wants to fly me to another country to speak. Like my ego is like, woo, love it. Yeah, of course. You know, and I do, I genuinely love standing on stage and speaking. I adore it. So again, there's that. I I remember speaking to some other people who do what I do similarly. And they're like, you've got to stop speaking. It makes you no money. We quit it ages ago. It makes us no money. It's like, but when you have the other offers, then it's where you're making the money. But it's also for you. Exactly. And this is what I said. I said, I love it. Why would I want to get rid of it? And also, you know, I have been flown out to places and not paid to speak, but they've paid my flight and they've paid for a hotel and they've given me a few extra days. Vacation. (laughs) Exactly. I get to discover places and that's the benefit of that. So I think, again, it's just looking at each thing and going, why am I doing this? And where's the benefit to me? And like I said, even if the benefit is great. That's not my audience. They're not my people. I get to stand on stage, which I love. And I get to spend an extra day in Dubai and hang out in Dubai for a day. Like (laughs) that's all right. I'll take that every day, you know? So I think that is so important in terms of like, when you're looking at what you're doing from a marketing perspective, again, it's like the podcast. I love getting on and having conversations with people. I love meeting new people. So being on other people's podcasts is a huge thing for me because I genuinely enjoy this experience. So doing something that brings you joy. Now, in the early days, you're not always going to be able to do that. Like as much as it would be lovely to jump straight into the good stuff, you might not be able to do that. And, And I still have to do stuff that I don't love. Like some of the social media sometimes is a bit hard work. I do mm-hmm. occasionally do a blog and I don't like writing. But if you can choose something where you get something out of it, then great, brilliant. You know, that's like a huge advantage. Amazing. Oh my goodness. I hope everybody takes this and starts building their business because you've got some really good stuff in here. Is there anything else that they can do when they're starting their speaking and getting comfortable on the stage? Because you're going to bomb. Like I would imagine sometimes you're just going to bomb and you just have to get over that fact. (laughs) Without doubt. Like, so it's funny because no one wants to start because they want to be brilliant at it, but you can't be brilliant at it without starting. So the very uh-huh. first thing you need to do is start. And that's why you start small. Because if you bomb on a big stage in front of people, like that's hard to come oh back God. from, right? <laughs> Whereas if you're sat, The ego re- just is gone. Oh, yeah, that's it. You're never stepping up there again. But if you were like <laughs> talking to three mums and you mess your, you know, you stutter and you mess your lines up and you forget what you're going to say, then they're a bit more forgiving. And that whole 
the whole like so for instance I was sat on a table with them with my laptop open like that is very different to being mic'd up with a clicker on a big stage with your screen behind you like it's a very different experience so starting small for me is a really really big one the second one is don't try and pretend to be someone else like you might have seen someone so for instance I've seen Jasmine Starr a few times speak on stages and Jasmine will say y'all she's very expressive like if I got on stage and said y'all I they would look at me like <laughs> Like, what is wrong with you, right? The other thing of like trying to not use my hands too much or trying not to use ums or ahs, it's me and I'm a human and I will do those things and that's okay. So I think getting comfortable with being you and getting comfortable with the fact of it doesn't have to be this crazy polished kind of, you know, I speak in a certain way and I'm so considered. When I did my TEDx, I remember thinking I've got to start it like the way so profound, like all TED people do. And I tried and in the rehearsals, I bombed. It was just awful. And it wasn't until I then got comfortable with actually, yeah, that's cool, but that's not me. And so I got on stage and my TEDx was all my energy. It was all my excitement. It's all my enthusiasm. And that was brilliant. And I loved it and it went down well. So getting really comfortable with who you are and how you come across and that you don't have to be perfect. And then also know you're going to mess up, right? And we do an exercise in my club with my members. We do a kind of, when we're talking about not wanting to do something because the fear is holding us back, we literally write down everything that scares us. So if you've ever read The Chimp Paradox, you have like a chimp brain and a human brain. And the chimp brain is the emotional brain. So the chimp brain is going to go, oh my God, if you go and speak, right, you might trip up the stairs or you're going to forget yours or someone else in the audience is going to know more than you or mine. Like, and I joke, but like, like, oh my God, you're going to pee your pants. Like, you're going to be that scared. <laughs> you're actually going to pee your pants. Like, so let the chimp go wild, right? So the chimp is going to say the most ridiculous things and you're going to write them all down. Okay. You're going to make a list of all the things that the chimp is telling you why you don't want to do this. Then what you're going to do is once the chimp has run out of ideas and run out of steam, you're then going to write next to them what you would do if it actually happened. And that is going to take all the power out of it. So, and I can assure you a lot apart from being on stage and also I've never tripped, thank God. But the reason I've never tripped is because I, now with the big stages, I go in before the audience are there and I walk up the steps or I walk on stage and just check my footing and like, is it okay? But so, okay. So what if I forget my lines? Well, they have no idea what you're going to say anyway. So that's fine. Okay. What if the tech fails? Well, if the tech fails, that's not my fault necessarily. And could I take a print out of my thing or could I have it on my phone? Or, you know, is there another way in which I can try and fail proof this? What if I stumble and forget what I'm going to say? I can tell you many times on stage, I've gone, oh, my brain's just gone blank. Give me a second. And then I pulled it back again. And it's like, because I'm a human and, and actually, People who are watching you speak, they want you to succeed. No one wants you to be dreadful and fail terribly. They really do want you to succeed. So remember that as well. But like I said, write down all the things that's stopping you that you're thinking, I can't speak, or if I do speak, what if all these things happen? 
and then write down what you do about them. And even to the point, and we did this exercise and I used the speaking one. And one of my members said, someone might think I'm too old to speak because she was in her late fifties. And I was like, so there's no one over the age of 60 speaking then. And she's like, well, yeah, so you're not too old to speak then, are you? Or I might mess up. Well, they don't know that you've messed up. They, do they, do, did you give them your entire speech beforehand? No. So for me, it's about just going, that might happen. And if it does, it's not the end of the world. No one's going to die. And that's okay. So, and at the end of the day, I'm a human and I might make mistakes. But the only way you're going to get comfortable, the only way you're going to really start to hone your skill is by doing it. And by doing it means you're going to make mistakes and that's okay. Every time you do it, you're going to get better too. So 100%. I love that you just said, oh, that nobody knows what you're going to say first off, mm-hmm. but also even if you do mess up, that makes you more relatable. hundred percent. Yeah. Totally. And brings you back down to the level. Like, especially if you're on a big stage and you mess up and you say, man, that just slipped my mind. I don't even know what I was going to say anymore. But when it comes back, then they're like, Oh, we could have a conversation. Yes. It's like, Oh, I've been there. And it makes it so that they feel like they can connect with you. It makes you mm-hmm. that much more in reach. And eventually they'll connect with you. <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing. I think sometimes when we see people on stages, they feel so far from us, like physically they're far, like from a work point of view, they're far, like how they present they're far. And my aim is always like, so I just delivered this entire day workshop out in Athens and I had to be mic'd up and I didn't like being mic'd up because it's a workshop and I'm going to be doing it all day and I don't really want to wear a mic, but the room was quite big. And then they had like this little stage thing with the screen and whatever behind me and I had my clicker. I never stood on the stage once. I went into the audience. I walked up and down all the time because it's like, this is a workshop and this is how, you know, whereas I think if I'd been new to it and I hadn't been confident in not even what I was teaching, because there was some stuff like it was on content. I don't talk on content necessarily as much as I used to, but if I hadn't been confident in my own abilities of like being a speaker or holding a room, but you know, what was interesting actually. And I share this because you know, it's so recent and to show you that I am still not like anywhere near perfect. They were Greek speaking, obviously, and I don't speak Greek and they were all English speaking. So then their first language is Greek, but obviously they could all speak English. Otherwise, what was the point in them being in my, in my session? Although I have <laughs> done speaking where I've been translated. I can only imagine how that must have been because I taught a fast. So. One, I talk fast. Two, they don't speak my language natively. And three, I don't speak their language. And the workshop was exactly meant to be that, a workshop. And ordinarily, when I've run workshops over here or when I do my own events in the UK or even in the States, I will happily go, what are your thoughts? You tell me. What about you? Like, And I didn't because I was so scared of not understanding them, right? The first session, there was like six sessions in the day, or it was broken down into six sessions. So the first session, I didn't ask them a thing. And the guy who brought me in, who knows me, because I've spoken a number of times for him, was like, I think we need more interaction. And I was like, okay, thinking, oh God, please, please. And, and I had to get over the fear that I wouldn't understand them and just go with it. And as it was, it was fine. Now, there were points where I was like, say that again, but it was okay because I don't speak Greek and they don't speak English as their first language. So it was not a surprise that they would say words that I was like, oh, hang on, is that the word you're trying to say? Or, And, and so I had to get over the fear of 
what if I can't understand them? Because it was ruining the session and they weren't getting the most at the session. So even now, even though I've done this for years and I'm a TEDx speaker, even now I still like have to get over those fears in order to, to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. Amazing. So it's like, so what if they didn't, if you can't hear them or if you misunderstood what they were trying to say, because nobody else is judging in the room, they probably misunderstood what you were saying too, or they also probably didn't know what he was trying to say. So everybody has the same question, especially in that kind of setting. Yeah. Like what did they expect? I don't speak Greece and they don't uh, Greek and they don't speak English as like their first language. So, and actually what was good was other people in the, in the room some spoke better English than they did. So if someone said something and I wasn't getting it, someone else would step in and go, they mean this. And I go, ah, okay, now I've got it. Thank you. And I'd be able to answer them. Wow. Amazing. I think that this is so amazing for our listeners because they're, one, you're so relatable. <laughs> like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and two, this is so helpful with all the strategies that you're giving and actual like takeaways to be able to grow their business and get on stages and start growing just their awareness for their business mm. because at the end of the day like you said at the beginning if people don't know you're out there they're not going to buy from you no and it really just come down to that and when when people start working with me so i have a couple of people doing the 90 day program with me at the moment and they are literally starting their business and it always like as a business owner it always worries me a bit because it's a huge investment but it's a huge investment of money however it's the most perfect time to work with me because it's like And I joked with one of them who actually, she has a child a few years younger than me. And I was like, so all the mistakes I made as a parent, I can tell you, so you don't make the same. And all the mistakes I made as a business owner, I can tell you, so you don't make them the same. But like when you're starting from really like from scratch, I think sometimes they like one I spoke to actually just earlier today and she wants this strategy. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. Right. But what do you need to focus on right now? Do you need clients? Yes. Okay then let's do some very practical stuff. And like literally to the point where I've sent her away and I'm like, right, I want you to personally reach out to this person, this person, this person, this person. I want you to go and ask these customers for a referral. I want you to go and ask these people for a testimonial and do really practical things. Because I think sometimes when, well, we we all have the mistake of we look at our day one against someone else's day 101. Mm-hmm. Like you're not in the same boat. So me doing my content plan, you know, we're always a month ahead with our content. Like our podcast is always a month at least ahead with our podcast. Well, that's fine because now I have a team. I have a strategy that I've been using for years. I am well established in what I do and how I do it. And even though constantly we tweak things, we can plan ahead. But you know what? If you come to me on day one, am I going to sit there and tell you to plan a month's worth of content? No. I'm going to tell you to like get some of these basics underway. And we're going to focus on the most important thing. And in most business owners, it's making money. Now, some business owners are very fortunate where they have money either from a partner or from someone else. And great. I'm more than happy. Let's spend time working on your brand, creating your website, doing some lead magnets. Like, yeah, we can work on all that. But... I need to meet them where they are. So I need to go, what is most important? And and that groundwork and some of the basic stuff, although it's not sexy and it's not glamorous and it's not having a photo shoot and it's not standing on a big fancy stage, that doesn't make me money. Like having a conversation with someone, offering something to them, that will make them money. Working as a solopreneur and struggling to find the time and energy to do it all, especially when trying to grow your audience on all of the platforms, 
I outsource all of my content creation to Mama Media. They have a team of incredibly talented professionals to help me create and produce my podcasts, repurpose them on all the channels like YouTube, social media, and post it according to our schedule on all of the platforms that are best suited for my brand and my businesses. Use my code MOMMYMOVES when you inquire at mamamedia.org for 10% off your service. You can thank me later. Yes, I think that that's like the most important takeaway is that they need to just have the connections and take the action because like you said, planning out your Instagram content for the next six months isn't going to bring in nope. more business much very likely. It's not. No, <laughs> I know no, that it's not. <laughs> that's something I have to get down to like my roots sometimes. And I'm like, okay, what's the priority here? Is it mm-hmm. connecting with people on Instagram or is it putting out a podcast on YouTube? And it's always going to be podcast and YouTube because they're the things yeah. that are bringing in more people than Instagram. <laughs> like it yeah, just is what 100%. it is. And it's always like, there's a book, I think it might be called, Does It Make the Boat Go Faster? But basically it's about the British rowing team who they were doing terribly, like in the Olympics and all that sort of thing. They were literally the worst. And they brought in a new coach and the coach worked with them and basically said, whatever you do, either here on the training or at home or wherever, you've got to ask yourself, is it going to make the boat go faster? And if it doesn't, you don't do it. And I constantly tell myself that, like, if I get distracted with Instagram and start scrolling on my computer when I'm sat here, I'm like, Teresa, is this making the boat go faster? And what I mean is, is this getting me closer to the goal that I want? No, it's not. Well, stop doing it and do something. And again, the other thing I have to ask myself, I have a small group coaching program that I run and there's about 12 people in the program. And we set goals every quarter. And I, every time we do a call, which is twice a month, I get on and I'd say, how are you getting on with this goal? Where are you at? What are you doing? And one of the goals is how are you making money? Because I was finding that as they got more comfortable with each other, like we'd set some quarterly goals and someone would set quarterly goals of like, oh, I'm going to do more on Pinterest and I'm going to write some blogs and I'm going to do this. And it was like, where is that actually making you money now? And I knew, because obviously I know them very well, I knew this person needed to make money. And it's like, sometimes we just have to go back to basics and ask ourselves those questions. Is it making the boat go faster? Is it making us more money? Is it getting us closer to our goal? And if it's not, it's not that you shouldn't do it, but maybe try something else first that is going to achieve one of those things. Very powerful, especially when you're starting your business. Like money is the bloodstream of your business. If you don't have any, it's not going to go anywhere. So you need to have those clients, at least some, bringing some consistent money into your business before you can spend any money on anything else or any more time. Because ultimately your time is money. Totally. I couldn't agree more. And and like I said, we look at business and sometimes the, I need a photo shoot or I need to do this. Yeah, that looks lovely. But do you know what? Like in the early days, I didn't do that. I didn't have that. And the problem is people find you when you're so much further on in your journey and they think, oh, well, if Teresa does it this way, if Teresa's planning this out, if she's doing this, if she's, you know, spending time going and doing a mastermind over in Nashville, I've got to, no, I never did any of that. Like I literally went to networking things and begged people to give me work. <laughs> And And it's like, I'll just, I'll do it for whatever you can pay me. Like, it doesn't even have to be my rate. Just let me work for you. (laughs) Like, that's what we did in the early days. And like I said, it's not even, you know, and I was talking to someone earlier and I was like, you know, I'm fierce about charging the right amount and pitching Mm -hmm. it correctly. But sometimes when you're just getting going, 
you do need to do these things. You do need, but it's knowing when you have to stop doing that, mm-hmm. or it's knowing how to do that so that you're not pitching yourself to go, Hey, everybody, you can now have my services for next to nothing because I'm desperate. Like there's a way to do it, but, but in the early days, sometimes you do have to do a bit of that as well. Can you share when they should be making that shift? Like from saying yes to everything to being more selective in what they're taking mm. on? Yeah, that's a great question. So ultimately the first thing it comes down to is do you need that money to live? And is that money coming in? So to begin with, that's the kind of main focus. Can I bring in business to pay me and to help me pay my bills and take me keep my daughter fed as mine was? And then what will start to naturally happen as you start to, especially if you're offering a service like I was, which at the time was a consultancy, and it wasn't until I then bought on other people that it turned more into an agency where I was running out of time, right? And some, some people will come to me and go, I don't need coaching. I don't need help. I'm full. And it's like, that's awesome. Are you being paid what you want to be paid? Are you filled with the right customers? Are you doing the right thing? Because we can be busy fools. Like you can have all Mm -hmm. the clients in the world, but you might not be happy or they might not be paying you what you should be, or you might have moved on and they haven't moved on. So normally at the point where you're getting income coming in, you'll start to go, do I like working with these people? And do I like doing the thing? So for a long while, I did like, I used to do Facebook ads and I did Google ads. I hated it. I was terrible at it. Well, I say I was terrible. I wasn't. They were getting results, but I didn't like doing it. And it got to the point where I went, I don't need to do this anymore. Like actually, and doing, doing the things makes you then go, oh, I don't like doing those things. Like, I don't want to do that again. So sometimes we have to go through that time of, okay, someone's paid me for that. That was not enough. I'm never doing that again. Someone's asked me to do this. I said, yes, because I wanted the money. I don't like doing it. I won't be doing that again. So I think once you've been doing it for a little while and once you're getting in, and I would say probably about six months in, you might start to have some experience of what you've been doing and what you've been charging. And at that point, or if you are full, that's the point to go, am I charging enough? Am I doing it right? Am I working with the people I want to work with? And then you tweak and change and it changes all the time. Like one thing I talk about with my, with my coaching clients, with my membership is our seasons of life. Okay. So my season of life is very different from when I first started my business. My daughter was like, no, five or six, I think at the time around that age, I never remember. I think if I'd worked out the math, I'd actually remember. Um, so she was young. She was really little. She was just starting school. So she was doing four, just starting school. She, I was on my own. I was a single parent. Well, now my daughter's turning 13 next week. My, I'm remarried. I have an amazing husband. I have a stepson. I don't have to be the only earner in the house. I have a team. My, I've changed. My season of life has changed, which means what I can do in my business has changed. Like I really enjoy the travel aspect of it. That might not suit everybody because if you've got young children and they are not shared between another parent, meaning she has somewhere to go if I'm not here, then that makes that easier. So again, it's never going to be, or I, you know, with most people I work with, it's never a case of, okay, we've decided this is what you're going to do and this is how much you're going to charge and that's it it constantly evolves and you constantly learn and you constantly change. And like I said, and your season of life changes, you change. And what 
is important to you. I got to a point where I was so tired of clients. I didn't like working with clients anymore, <laughs> but we still have one client because they're amazing and I love them to bits. And we've worked with them for flipping years and years and years. And they're a great client. And I'm more than happy to keep just them. But all the others we got rid of, like, I didn't want to do it anymore. The other thing of like, when I first started my business, when I had the agency, I wanted an office and a team and a big, massive, proper agency with bin, bean bags and like, you know, games or whatever, like big agencies have. And then I started to realize, I don't want any of that. Like, actually, I don't want a big team. I don't want all the stuff that comes along with it. I don't want all these clients. And then when I got my online business, I was like, I want to be a millionaire. I want a huge online team. I want, and now I'm like, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll still take being a millionaire, but I don't want to do, I don't want to work like I might have to, to become a millionaire. Like I love what I do. I love who I teach. I love who I work with. I love what I get to do. So actually some of the other things aren't as important as they used to be. So for me, it's that kind of like balance. I'm sorry if you can hear my dog. That's very unprofessional. I have a puppy. He's downstairs making a right racket. So I'm hoping he's not distracting this sign too much. But yeah. So, so yeah, I think it constantly changes. It constantly evolves and it's just listening to you and what you do and what you want to do and then tweaking and changing as you need to. Really powerful. And I think it's something important for everybody to start that you're just going to start your business. You're just going to start whatever journey you want. And it's going to, it doesn't have to be perfect. You're no. going to mess up. You're going to go back and fix everything that you did probably 150 times before you yep. even like it. And then you're going to change it again because you want to make sure that your clients like it. <laughs> Yeah. But it is attracting the right clients and it's just always evolving. And that's and the beauty of it. Like that's because yeah. it's our business. We get to decide. So I've just, my prices are about to increase in about a week's time and I've more than doubled everything. Like literally I had this epiphany or something and went, hang on, what am I doing? And my prices are now much more in line with me. Well, I'm eight years in and that just happened. My branding was done by a branding expert and I'm looking at it thinking, I'd like to make some changes. Like, you know, my podcast, I'm on episode 270 something of the podcast and I've just stopped taking interviews. So for the next foreseeable, I don't know how long I, until I decide I'm just going to do solo episodes. So that's the beauty of it. It belongs to us and we get to decide it's our business. So one thing that drives me crazy with coaches and other people I had someone come onto one of my coaching calls the other week and she was like, well, I work with this other coach and he told me that I had to have a this, this. And I was like, sorry, what do you mean he told you you had to have it? Is he running your business? No, it's your business. So, and and it was a, um, it was a subscription model. He said she had to have a subscription model, which her business isn't subscription model. It's products, right? She sells product. And I was like, do you like it? She went, no, I've got young children and it takes up too much time. And it's this. And I was like, then it's your business. You decide. Like it's up to you. And that's the beauty of it. That's the most exciting thing about it is that it does change and it does tweak. And we, we get to make those decisions. We get to make the mistakes and we get to fix them again. And the other thing you have to remember, if you're listening to this and you're starting a business or you have started a business, you are a very small percent of people who are brave enough to do that. So. I couldn't care less what people think about me and my business because most of those people who are looking at it or thinking about it, they don't have the guts to have their own. Like my family don't get it. Like they wouldn't have a clue what it's like to run your own business. 
my husband, as much as he tries, bless his heart, I love him dearly. But he was like, wouldn't you earn more money if you did X, Y, Z? And I was like, yeah, but I don't want to do that. So no, thank you. Like, that probably a lot less stress too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I don't want to do that. So, you know, you are so brave and amazing for doing this. Like you are 10 times braver than most of the people you know for even starting this. So what's the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen is it doesn't work and you have to get a job. Yeah, that would suck. But you know what? Most people won't even try. So the fact mm-hmm. that you're trying, just love it. Love every minute of it. Oh, I think we should end there because that was really powerful. And I think everybody can walk away with it. And, you know, it's funny you just said that because my husband came full time in our business. And then we really realized quickly, we're like, you need to go back to work. Like, we're not in a place right now that one, like, it's like financially comfortable that you're here. And we're not busy enough to need you right now. And two, you're losing your mind, like sitting around on the computer. You need to go back to work. Go. I love that. I love that. But again, like, just quickly, you know, you sharing that story, that's huge. Because mm-hmm. there are some people who like, they'll, you know, and I'm I'm not sure how you did, but whether you were like, yeah, he's joining the business, he's left his, you know. Yeah, we did. People. And it's like, it's yeah. embarrassing to like have like the tail between your legs and say, well, he would just went back to work. But it's, you know what, this but, is the journey. Like, this is what oh, it is. And people need to hear that because there's not enough of that. There's not enough of people. Like I launched a new product. It fell on its backside. So mm-hmm. I wrote an email going, didn't work. So I put, I'm not doing it anymore. Like, and people were like, oh, I'm so glad you said that. And it's like, there's just not enough truth out there. And, yeah. you know, you were braver than me. I'd never bring my husband into the business because it would terrify the life out of me because he brings in a good salary every month. No questions uh-huh. asked. You know what I mean? Like, great. Salary's here again. Salary's here again. Whereas my business doesn't do that. So but I, I love that you shared that. I love that. People need to hear that honestly, 100%. Thank you. Thank you for reaffirming that because that was my belief. And I was like, you know what? This is the reality of like entrepreneurship. And it was like, we thought we were good. And it turns out this month we're not and we need his salary. So that's just, yeah. it is what it is. And right. it's going to ebb and flow. And when it's time and we really do have the comfort that he's able to come in and start whatever he wants to do like he will and he'll yeah. come back and we're going to try it again and do it better and learn from our mistakes and just keep doing it <laughs> i love it i love it thank you Teresa. thank you so much for being here because this has been such an incredible conversation i know that this has been wow it, like it blew my mind so i hope that it blows everybody else's too is thank there any so last much. things you want to say tell everybody where they can find you yeah so if you search Teresa he's wearing which is a bit of a mouthful but you will find me everywhere instagram's my favorite and if you search for TeresaEthering.com, you can find all the stuff there. Come and say hi. I love connecting with new people. I am definitely one of these people who it's me that you speak to on Instagram. It's me that you have the emails from. So please do come and connect. I would love to say hi. Thank you, Teresa. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Just from the mountaintops. This was great. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been my absolute pleasure being on with you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening all the way through on the Making Mommy Move show. Make sure to subscribe anywhere that you're listening to podcasts at, and I would really appreciate a kind and honest review of the show. That's how more moms will be able to find our podcast and listen in each week with you. Copy this link, share it with your friends on social media. I will be forever grateful. I'm so happy and proud of you for making the first mommy move by listening to the show. Until next time, I encourage you to keep up the momentum by continuing to make mommy moves along with me. Talk soon.